This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good day out there today. It's June. Sports calendar getting a little slow here. Um, you know, we got NHL playoffs still going on. NBA Finals certainly going on right now. Get to some Andrew Wiggins talk here in a little bit. Um, Got to talk Lynx. They lost again 3-9. and nine. Um, I think we can conclude at this point unless we get more evidence very soon this is just a bad team i'm not saying they're going to be bad for a long time not saying they might not even rebound and sneak into the playoffs this year but it's not a good team not a good team right now and it is showing up on the court losing to um, new york on tuesday i will be joined here in a little bit by Lindsey Whalen and Ben Johnson, head coaches of the Gophers women and men basketball teams, um, respectively. Had a chance to catch up with them the other day in Stillwater at the Gophers coaches caravan. Those teams both start um, summer training next week, get on the court with their new players. Uh, Some high expectations for a lot of the New players they're bringing in, especially Lindsey Whalen with the Gophers women. So get into that with them and just the impact of the transfer portal, what they're looking forward to this year, things like that. So I hope you enjoy that conversation. But first, we got to start with Twins versus Yankees. As, as unpleasant as it might be, as predictable as it might be, Twins lose 10-4 to the Yankees on Tuesday night, the first game of that three-game series at Target Field. Um, I tweeted the other. I tweeted uh, as the game was going on, as the Yankees jumped out to a three-nothing lead. Um, what I tweet uh, said: sometimes baseball, sometimes baseball surprises us, and sometimes it does not. Very basic tweet, but just the, just you know, the the, the narrative, of course, going into this game was how good the Yankees are. And even though the Twins are a first-place team in the American League Central, they've certainly had their struggles against good teams this year, particularly Houston and the Dodgers. And they have certainly had their struggles against the Yankees in the last two decades. Um, I'll get to those specific numbers here in a minute, but it was kind of more of the same in this game, unfortunately, for the Twins. They just don't match up against you know some of the teams that have this elite depth it's not a surprise I mean the Yankees are now 40 and 15 twins still a very solid 32 and 25 record and it was you know the twins should get a modicum of credit for battling in this game after they went down three nothing and it could have been pretty ugly from the jump they did get this thing back to four to three then five to four Yankees kept uh, you know kind of responding and then blow the game back open in the seventh inning when Tyler Duffy gave up a three-run home run. ERA for Tyler Duffy right now, 6.55. Actually, the first four pitchers the Twins threw out there on um, on Tuesday night, ERAs of 8.49. That was starter Cole Sands, who didn't make it out of the fourth inning. Um, Manaya 8.53. Cano, 10.13. And then Duffy, and getting higher and higher. So, you know, it was a night when the Twins maybe didn't put out each one of their very best pitchers, kind of trying to keep in the game, maybe save those those guys for, 
a night where they're a little bit more competitive. But, you know, it was a competitive game into the seventh inning. We're not talking being proud of moral victories while we're talking here about just, you know, that it didn't get out of hand until late, but then it did 10-4. to 4. Um, So that, uh, that to me, was a, was a discouraging sign as well. So... You know that's uh that, that's 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 kind of the way it goes. That's the way it has gone as you know as this uh, this whole two decades have gone. Yankees now since the start of the 2002 season, and remember 2002 was when the Twins got good. They have won the division eight times since 2002. They have made the playoffs one other time as a wild card. They have missed the playoffs once in a game 163. So 10 of the last 20 seasons, the Twins have either made the playoffs or been eliminated. They, 10 of the last 20 seasons, the Twins have played beyond 162 games or beyond, yeah, I shouldn't say that because one of those years was a 60-game season, but you get the point. Half of those seasons, they played beyond the regularly scheduled regular season. And it's still against the Yankees since 2002, including the postseason, they are 38 and 110. That is unbelievably bad. I mean, I know the Yankees have been very good during that stretch, but so have the Twins, by and large. Like I said, half of those years, those were very good Twins teams. Um, to have that dismal of a record, to be 2-16 and 16 in the playoffs against the Yankees since that time, um, it defies logic. It defies reason. It defies everything that you could imagine statistically. It's just, I don't care how big the, the Yankees' advantage is, how much the disparity is in payroll. Um, you can live with the Yankees beating them 60, 65 even percent of the time. This is this is so lopsided. It's like 75% of the time the Yankees are winning. Like three out of every four times they go out in the field, and it feels even more lopsided, right? Can you remember... The last time the Twins beat the Yankees, I'm sure it's happened recently. It just doesn't feel like it. You don't remember the wins. You remember the losses. So we'll see if this gets any better as the series goes along. Don't have a ton of faith. Chris Archer gets the call on Wednesday. Thursday's game, by the way, Dylan Bundy against Garrett Cole. Um, Yeah, that's not... uh, that's not looking promising to me, but um, you know that's why they play the games. We'll see if things get any better. We'll see if the Twins can get at least one of these next two games and then get at least one of those games against Tampa Bay. They took two from Toronto. That was unexpected. That got them kind of going in the right direction in this tough stretch. Um, but, you know, part of the problem is if they're this bad against the elite teams in, the, in, in baseball, what does that mean for their long-term prognosis, even if they are able to win the weak American League Central or get into the playoffs as a wild-card team this year, what does that mean for when they get to the postseason? Are they going to have a chance to break their 18-game postseason losing streak? I don't know. We're getting ahead of ourselves at this point, I know. Enjoy the season, as Mike Tice once said. I get it. I get that we should enjoy this team. They're winning more than we thought they would. It's still just discouraging to watch them play against these good teams, especially the Yankees, 38 and 110 in the last two decades. That defies all logic. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. 
follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Hey, I'm really happy to have Lindsay Whalen and Ben Johnson on today's Daily Delivery podcast. Um, obviously, the basketball coaches at the University of Minnesota. Welcome, you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. We're out at the caravan, Gophers Coaches Caravan, out in Stillwater today um, when, we're, when we're recording this. And I just kind of thought it would be fun to talk to both you guys at the same time because I feel like you've had, you know, your own lives, obviously, but some similar shared experiences with coaching, especially modern coaching and, you know, the whole world of transfer portal, name, image, likeness. We'll get into that in a little bit. First, you got to be excited. You got new, you get your new players on campus now. You kind of got, kind of getting a fresh start. Class is starting up. How's that feel? Lindsay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, first day of class is kind of, um, you know, crazy to think. It's, that, that part is different now than when we played because you didn't have, you didn't have like your eight weeks of summer like workouts. You were just you were on your own for workouts, and so, and it was more or less optional in the summer. Now pretty much everybody takes classes, and and so it's uh, I mean it's, it's it's great. You get a whole summer with your incoming freshmen. Uh, for us, so we have four incoming freshmen. We have four transfers, two grad transfers, two undergrad transfers, three returners, and so now we get in the gym with them, and so that's obviously very exciting and. The, the class that we have coming in, we've been recruiting them since they were freshmen in high school, and so to finally get them on campus is, is pretty special. So we'll, we'll start workouts next week. This week is kind of start classes, get acclimated to campus, get some appointments and things like that done, and then we'll hit the, the gym and the weight room and all that next week. Ben, same thing for you, man. It feels like every year you're going to have a lot of newcomers just with the way things operate now, but it's got to be kind of exciting just to see how these people get into your system and what it looks like. Yeah, for me, it's um, it's always nice when you get new blood in, you know, and you obviously don't want to, um, you know, every single year have crazy, crazy turnover. But that is part of it's part of college basketball now. Um, you know, it happens. But I think when you have um, new blood, whether it's transfers from a different program, whether it's freshmen that you love, um, whether it's a player that maybe you had out with injury or redshirt. Um, there's new energy and there's new life for everybody. And so I think that's what uh, we're most excited about is to get on the court with some of these younger guys and some of these newer guys and, um, you know, see what they got and, and be able to see how they fit uh, into what we're trying to do. Um, and like Lindsay, you know, we'll start Monday and begin that process. Lindsay, you talked about the class you have coming in. We've talked a lot about that class. It's a lot of, you know, highly touted, a lot of, you know, big name Minnesota recruits. Kind of feels like it's like a lot of pressure to put on a class because you know you don't want to say these guys have to be like that good, but they are that good. So how do you kind of what's the message when they come in? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, for those those guys, they're all so competitive, and they they want to do what they know can be done here. It's been done before. Go to the tournament, go to the final four, and so they've obviously they've they've heard a lot and. Um, you know those expectations and things like that are all things that that we manage. But for them, they're just they're excited to be in the gym and get to work, and and so they all stayed home for a reason. And so, um, so yeah, every everything from the outside. I mean, that's that's what you want. I mean, you want to have that. Um, you know, great players want to have that pressure because that you know, comes obviously with with talent expectations. So they're all. Uh, four. It's nice that there's four of them. They can help yeah. each other through, and we'll be there to help them through. And they have the 
the rest of their teammates. So it'll it'll be something that we're more you know always looking at it as an opportunity more than anything. How much do you guys like recruiting? I know you have to do it, and you guys are both have you know, Minnesota. You, Minnesota, you went here, things like that. But how much do you like recruiting both in and out of the state? You know, for for me, um, you know, it is. It, you don't really think about it because it's you know you yeah. got it. You you do it. Um, I think the fun part about it is unlike high school, um, you know, you can kind of determine what your team looks like, and and you can kind of go out there and try to get players that can fit a certain style and you're not handcuffed and I think that is kind of the positive with the new rule um, with the transfer portal is that um, you know from a coach's standpoint you know you do have versatility you have you have opportunities to to grow in different areas or you know you might lose a player but it's a it's another way to go out there and recruit and try to get different Um, and I think the game's always changing I mean I was just listening to a podcast on the way over here, and they were talking about, um, you know, there's really not, at least in men's game, true centers anymore. So now it's, it's kind of like, are you changing with the games? And, and I think you can do that uh, year to year now with recruiting. So, um, you know, just try to flip it to the best of your advantage um, and just know that change now is inevitable, and you just try to try to make the most of it. You like recruiting? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of it. You wouldn't be doing this if you didn't like it. I mean, it's your ever. I mean, you know, it's sales, recruiting. It's all like, no matter what. I feel like a lot of lines of work. This is you're going to be doing that. And so, it's like like Ben said. It's how how you want your team to look like. What personalities? You know, of course, like X's and O's. How you want to play. But just like who's going to mesh well. Um, you know, what is she good at? Where can where can she help us? And so. You, you know, you're able to go out and, you know, get to know people that are going to be able to carry out your vision. And so, so to me, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's what it is. You know, you wouldn't be a college coach if you didn't like it. You'd be coaching on this, you know, you'd probably, you know, in the pros or whatever, yeah. because it's, that's, that's different. So it's, um, yeah, you know, you get to represent your home state every single day and go and go and sell that and like sell your vision. So it's. It's a fun challenge. It's a big time competitive part as well. Um, yeah. Recruiting in the Big Ten. It's so it's yeah, it's you know, it's constant, it's all the time and it's just it's what it is, what's what we signed up for. You guys have both talked about the transfer portal already, just like people say how much it's changed college basketball. I don't feel like we are you know, all college sports. I don't think we have an idea totally. It's almost like saying the internet changed computers. It's like it's 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 the it's almost the thing now. You still recruit high school players, but like have you guys had a chance to like step back from the process and just think about how much this has changed what you do just in such a short amount of time? No, for me, I don't. I don't know. If, I don't know if you have time to really sit back and feel like because because you just it it is what it is, you know. And, and, and we're all learning as as uh, as this process goes. And I think every year you get more and more comfortable with just kind of the nature of college basketball. But to say you have time to like sit back and almost reflect, I don't know if you do. Um, because now, literally, I mean, whether it's the end of the Big Ten tournament or if you're able to go to the NCAA tournament, you are, there's no breaks. You're, you're right into the portal. And so there isn't that gap period where you can sit back and really analyze. You're almost doing that during the year as the year goes on. And so, um, you know, I think, it, it, like Lindsay's talking about, it is what it is. You know, it's just it's a part of the game now. And, and I think um, a benefit for both of us of being a younger coach is um, – 
I think our ability to, to be able to adjust. I think as you get older, sometimes it might be a little bit harder to see the game and recruiting change. Whereas now, you know, us being newer coaches, it, you're able to be adjustable and adapt more. And I think that's going to probably be the key. Uh, as we go forward. Now you did transfer as a player, but in, obviously you did not. How much different does this feel from the time when you were players? Like go back to when you were both at the U 20 years ago. Does this feel like college basketball has completely changed or does it feel like a lot of it's fundamentally the same? Or is it both? Um, I mean, we had people transfer um, during my, when sure. I played. So it's something that is, is always, I think, you know, since I've played and I've coached, it's it's a part of it. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I think this year was somewhat of a perfect storm because we're entering somewhat of hopefully like post-COVID, yeah. where last year the rule changed whenever it changed, but campuses weren't open until so like after your season, let's say your season, everybody was done by April. Yeah, campuses weren't open to go recruiting until June. So people were kind of like, a couple people, you know, we've had transfers every year. But I think there's a lot of people that kind of just hung tight. And then this year was like, a lot of people just like that went in. And so I, I think, um, yeah, you just got to keep adjusting and keep keep working with it. And it's a lot of it has changed. And like, like Ben said, you're, you know, gone are the days of like, after the season, you're going to go and take a few days here to just kind of catch my breath and collect my thoughts and I mean you have a meeting the next day because you got to like you're re-recruiting your team you're recruiting high school kids you're recruiting the portal and then you're kind of trying to at some point analyze what just happened this year and kind of figure out ways to get better and but it's uh, it's why you got to have a great staff and um, like Ben said it's you got to be really good at multitasking that's how it is sounds like a lot a couple more things for you guys one do you ever think about how Man, this is wild. We were both players in this league 20 years ago, and now here we are at the same place, same time. Do you ever, do you ever talk about this, like, just the connection and just the, the kind of the, not the parallel lives, because you've had much different lives, but how you kind of came back into the same place and now you're doing the same thing? No, I mean, I do think it is cool. Um, you know, I think to be able to see, um, you know, two people in our position, can't believe it's already been 20 years, but sorry about, uh, sorry about that. I feel old. No, Don't worry, no, I'm older than both no, you guys, so me. it's all right. Um, but it, it is cool to see, and obviously, um, you know, when Lindsay was playing, they had a big time run, and so yeah. to be able to watch that and and now watch her as a coach is cool. I think that is one thing that makes Minnesota special when you look across the board, not only just us, but you know, whether it's wrestling or baseball or you know, you could go on down the line like gymnastics. I think they do a great job, and Mark's done a great job, and administration's done a great job of, you know, giving former student athletes a look, and you don't see that all the time. Yep. And I do think, you know, Minnesota is different in that way, and um, so I think it's 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 not only unique in our situation, but in our athletic department to to be able to see that, and, and it's cool. And I think, you know, not to speak for Lindsey, but um, you know, when you're a former player, it, it definitely is a little bit different. Um, coaching there's a little bit more the losses hurt a little bit more oh, sure. um, there's a there's a little more extra there um, so that's also that also goes with it what's the one thing you guys last thing what's the one thing you guys are most excited about for this year whether it's I don't know what what, what gives you optimism for next season the group, I mean the group we have coming in we've been for, for us it's I mean number one class in the Big Ten um, and so now it's just 
get to work and let's let's put it all out there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for, for us, it's the, we have, you know, not only those four, but we essentially have a clean slate as well. I mean, we had obviously Katie, Maggie Rose, a couple returners, but you essentially have a clean slate to go into the year with. And and so it's like 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 Ben has mentioned, it's it's what it is now. Where year to year you can, you don't want to have that much turnover, but for this year, you know, speaking, you know, looking at what's coming up this summer and in the season, it's um, it's exciting to think that this team is gonna, you know, form its own identity, and and we're gonna we're gonna roll with that, and, and so it's that's part is exciting for the summer to start to build those relationships and build that trust and build that confidence in each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, new challenges. You know, I think every year um, presents something new because the league's going to change. There's going to be different players, sometimes different coaches. Um, I think every coach grows as they do this longer. So I think it's just the, the new challenge that this year is going to present that gets you excited because you have a new roster. It could be a different way that you do stuff defensively. It could be different stuff you do offensively. Um, you know, I think that that brings a different type of energy every single day when when it's not um, you know it's not the same as last year. And you got to find different ways to try to be successful and be good and, and get your players better. Thanks, you guys. Go mingle. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks. You. I don't think we mentioned the players by name that the Gophers women's basketball program is bringing in, but quite a recruiting class. Um, Mara Braun, Amaya Battle, Mallory Heyer, and Nia Holloway. Um, you know, big, heavy class uh, of uh, locals. Mara Braun from YZ, um, Amaya Battle from Hopkins, um, Mallory Heyer from Chaska, and Nia Holloway from Eden Prairie. So four suburban Minnesota players um, ranked very high. Best recruiting class in the Big Ten was up there nationally when they signed this class a lot, riding on how good these four players are, but they are very good. So this is the kind of class that could turn things around for that program. This is the kind of class that they envisioned when they hired Lindsey Whalen to be the head coach, that they should, that she could pull in this kind of, this caliber of recruit, this caliber of Minnesota recruit in particular. So, that will be interesting to watch this year. I don't know if we can expect it to happen right away, but it's exciting. It's exciting to watch them, you know, be this high ranked in in the uh, in these uh, recruiting rankings and see where they can take this. So it's a whole new world for Lindsey Whalen recruiting. She's like she said, she's got to recruit the portal. She's got to recruit her own players to keep them here, and she's got to recruit high school kids. And then beyond that, she's got to try to figure out how to make her current team better. Um, ben Johnson said a lot of the same things. It's a it's a different time. It's a difficult time to be a college basketball coach. Um, you know, this isn't you know rocket science, but it is you know it is a challenge. It is it is different challenges than when these two were players at the U um, that they are facing now as coaches. So I thought that was interesting, and I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Lindsey Whalen's old team, the Lynx, struggling right now. Three and nine, like I mentioned at the jump, just lost to New York and lost big. Not much going right in that game. Cheryl Reeve with some pretty pointed comments after the game. Head coach, general manager of the Lynx after they fell to three and nine said, um, here's the first one that she that she said, they, they played considerably harder than we did. Their offensive pace, their will far outmatched ours. And whenever that happens for us, we're not a very good good team um 
Said later we couldn't generate offense. We go from having a very efficient game and then very next game our defense is going to take hits when your offense is that inefficient. Um, Lynx made just three of 22 three-pointers, shot 33% from the field. <clears throat> Final score in that game, 88-69. to 69. So it shows you kind of where they were at in that game. It kind of shows you where they're at with this roster right now as well. You know, they've made a lot of changes throughout the year. Um, came into the season with some optimism, but then shuffled the deck when they got off to a bad start. And it had, it's gotten a little bit better, but it hasn't gotten markedly better. And it feels like, unfortunately, this roster kind of feels like one of those bad Timberwolves teams <clears throat> of the David Kahn era. And I'm not, let's, let's hold on for a second, I'm not comparing... Cheryl Reeve to David Kahn. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Cheryl Reeve is a hundred times more accomplished than David Kahn. She has won four WNBA championships. What I'm saying here is the roster they have assembled feels like there was just an air, a little bit of desperation and just keep adding veterans, try to patch holes, and it's not working. It kind of feels like that last con team in 2012-13 when they were a little bit better they brought in rick adelman as the head coach but it's like hey maybe andre karolenko will help hey maybe brandon roy would could could help maybe josh howard is the answer let's go get chase budinger it's just like you know okay players but not much of a system not much of a plan and that's what i felt like the Lynx have looked like from the start on the court this year just not a team that didn't have a great plan didn't have a great handle on how they were going to get through the season without Nafisa Collier um, their best player who obviously was out in the early part um, with she was pregnant uh, and now is on maternity leave we're working through um, whether or not she will play or not this year um, bigger than basketball but certainly impacting the basketball it just doesn't feel like they have figured out how to play without her. And, you know, take the best player off of anybody's team. That's going to be a difficult, tall task. So I'm not saying this is easier, that they should have had answers. I'm just saying, looking at the roster, looking at their record, looking at how they have played, they do not seem like they have a lot of the answers right now. now let's finish with the cooler. Andrew Wiggins. Golden State Warriors, they resume play in the NBA Finals tonight. That is Game 3, a big one for sure in that series. Obviously, when you're tied 1-1, series shifts to Boston, 8 o'clock game <clears throat> in that one. Should be interesting. Andrew Wiggins, a subject of a big Zach Lowe story on ESPN.com. I believe that came out on Tuesday, just kind of looking at how the the trade came together with the with the Warriors and the Wolves, um, you know, hurts to see that some in Golden State would have done the trade straight up instead of involving the draft pick that uh, ultimately became number seven overall. With the Warriors taking Jonathan Kaminga, and we'll see how good Jonathan Kaminga ends up being, but uh, could be the replacement eventually for Andrew Wiggins. Which brings me to another point. I feel like we've seen for the last year, year and a half, these Andrew Wiggins has changed stories. Andrew Wiggins, you know, fresh start in Golden State. Andrew Wiggins, you know, better defense. Andrew Wiggins, more efficient. All those things have been marginally true, but whenever I've seen one of them, I've always gone to the numbers. I've always kind of looked and kind of tried to figure out what's going on here, and I've always thought 
to a certain degree that these stories were planted by Golden State trying to kind of launder Andrew Wiggins' image to rehabilitate it to the point where, you know, hey, he's a useful player for them right now, get the most out of him while he's here, but they're going to want to trade him at some point again down the road, and that time is coming probably pretty soon if indeed they are going to trade him because he's got one year left on his contract after this season and not the kind of player you're probably going to extend unless you've decided that he's more valuable to you than it looks. Um, he's certainly playing an important role for them this year. A you know rangy, long wing moves pretty well off the ball, has been better on three-pointers. I think he's hitting at about 38% in his Warriors career. That's 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 good. That'll, that'll work. If he had shot that well with the Wolves, that might have been a different story. But his, again, roles were different. I'm not disputing that his role in Golden State hasn't been better suited for him. What I am saying is his role in Golden State is not one of a max player. I just can't imagine him staying there on a max contract or whatever his next deal might be. So I'm curious how good the fit really is or whether once these finals are done in a week or two, whether he is going to be the subject of trade rumors once again and whether some of this talking up of Andrew Wiggins was really genuine or whether it was uh, an attempt to inflate his trade value. So watch for that after this series is over. I'll certainly be watching for it as well. That'll do it for today. Looking forward to watching that Game 3 tonight as well as other stuff. Thanks for listening today. We will be back at it again on Thursday.